The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome members of our armed forces who are joining us from remote locations around the world, and also new listeners in Florida, Colorado, and Utah. Thank you for being with us. My guest today is antivirus software pioneer and founder of McAfee Software, Mr. John McAfee. He has over 4 million viewers on YouTube, and he's become somewhat of a technology anti-hero during this past year. Uh, In just a moment, he'll be joining us to set the record straight, and more importantly, give us a peek into what's ahead. But before we get today's program rolling, in the interest of full disclosure... (laughs) which is what you get each and every week on the Costa Report. I want to let our listeners know that John McAfee and I worked together early in our careers in Silicon Valley. In 1983, we were executives for the first optical storage company, Omex Corporation. Mr. McAfee was in charge of engineering, and I headed up product marketing. And during that time, we had a respectful and cordial working relationship. Though recently, I was surprised to hear him admit in his interview with Wired Magazine that he'd been dealing and consuming large amounts of cocaine while we worked together. I I admit that uh, I was a bit square then, and and I remain so to this day. And so uh, these kinds of things frequently just go right over my head. But that said, even operating at half power... McAfee proved to be a remarkable engineer and a forward thinker. Today, Mr. McAfee is completely drug-free, and we're going to learn more about where this unconventional genius is taking us next. But before he joins the program, let me mention that McAfee was born in the United Kingdom, and he spent his childhood in Salem, Virginia. He received his degree in mathematics from Roanoke College, and he worked as a programmer for NASA, UNIVAC, and later Xerox, Computer Sciences Corporation, and also Lockheed. In 1987, he founded McAfee & Associates, which operated out of his modest home in Santa Clara, and the rest is a matter of public record. The company went public and was acquired. McAfee eventually retired to a quiet oceanfront home in Belize, where he made investments and he dabbled in startups. And in 2010, he began a new venture in antibiotics based on anti-quorum sensing technology. And life was simple and good until the spring of 2012. When his home was raided on the basis of false drug trafficking charges, and shortly thereafter, McAfee's neighbor was found murdered, and he became a person of interest. Fearing for his life, McAfee fled to Guatemala, where he was arrested for illegally entering the country and faced deportation back to Belize. But due to legal delays and several medical emergencies, the Guatemalan government deported him back to the United States. Since arriving safely on the mainland... 
McAfee has been tearing up the Internet with videos that spoof images of him as some gun-toting, bath-salt-smelling, Hugh Hefner-style showman. And while his life and public image may appear to be over the top, behind all of these shenanigans lies a deliberate and methodical inventor. It's my pleasure to welcome to the program a technology pioneer, thinker, and former colleague, Mr. John McAfee. Nice to speak with you, John. Well, it's very nice to speak to you, and, and you're right. My my face and ears are, are red with the, such a glowing praise, and it's the first such praise I've heard in, in many years. So uh, thank you very much, and I'm really happy to be here today. Well, I happen to know a little bit about your background, and I think that the press focuses too much on the flamboyant rumors and less on the substance, and that's part of the problem that we have in the media today. You know, I've been thinking a lot about how to spend our time together, and I don't. And here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to treat you like you're some spectacle, the way I see other programs exploit you, and I don't want to go over the same ground over and over again. So I decided I'm only going to ask you one question about the situation of Belize, and then we're all done. We're going to move on. So here's my question. Has there been any progress made in finding the person who murdered your neighbor? Uh, absolutely none, uh, at least not to my knowledge. Um, many uh, news agencies have gone to the Belizean authorities um, ask what the status is, and specifically in relation to me. The authorities continue to insist that there is no evidence whatsoever linking me to the murder of my neighbor, but merely want to question me. Uh, the questioning, again, is is, is a ruse of, in Belize. They can hold you for questioning for 60, 60 days without charges, and if they're unsatisfied at the end of 60 days, can renew it for another 60 days indefinitely. Um, the Belizean government, it is certainly no secret, wants me to stop mouthing off about the corruption and danger in Belize because it has significantly harmed the tourist industry. Uh, and they would like nothing better than to put me away in a, in a quiet cell somewhere in the interior and let me uh, rot away in silence. So uh, I have no intention of, of ending up that way. Now, I just want to make it po- uh, the point that you have repeatedly offered to answer any questions that they have by telephone phone, by Skype, or to meet them in person in a neutral country, including right. here in America, uh, in, in England, uh, the Bahamas, uh, many countries I've offered to meet them in, and they have declined. They want me to come there. Well, I, I, that's absolutely right, and I want to make it clear that you've been fully cooperative, and they haven't taken you up on it, so therein already is a problem. You might remember that I lived in Laos during the Vietnam War, and so I'm going to be the first to say that if you're living in a country where there's corruption and you get sideways with the law, you better get the heck out of Dodge, because there's no winning. They'll put you in the ground before they let you ruin their party, and that's what you did. You, you left the only way you could and I think that that's pretty much all there is to the story. Or am I missing something? No, I mean, and in, in certainly from my perspective, that's that's all there is to the story. Although it's a it's a very big story. You know, from my perspective, I, I felt the entire time that my life was in danger, or, or at least uh, you know my future. You know, the living in a jail cell uh, indefinitely is is not much of a life. So, well, let me go further and say your life is still in danger. Uh, well, I would I would have to agree with that fully. The uh, only because I have not yet shut up about police. I can't help it when you know when when people ask me questions, which you know they bring it up. I, I have to tell the truth that well, it is a very corrupt country, uh, extremely corrupt, extremely dangerous. On a per capita basis, it's the murder capital of the world. 
Um, it is a tiny banana republic in Central America with no real laws, um, and other than the law of the party in charge. Um, and I, I continue to say that. That continues to hurt their tourism, and it continues to to create ire in, on the part of the government. So, you know, it's not beyond reason for them to try to reach out and touch me, uh, so to speak, no matter where I am. Well, you know that they're running a major ad campaign all over the airwaves now, uh-huh. right, in order to offset the damage that they allege that you've done to their tourism business. That, that's correct. In fact, whenever I travel by airplane, every single magazine uh, in, <laughs> in the seat back and front has come to police. I never saw that before. No one has ever heard of it. I have uh, never seen I, it either. I have to tell you, nobody, nobody I've seen, I know of, has ever seen a campaign like this from Belize. So they they know that you're not going to be quiet, and you have every right not to be. So let me ask you real quickly this this YouTube that went uh, video that went wild here. Uh, did did you shoot that and release that before you left Belize or after? No, I shot it after I left Belize. Um, the press was making such uh, such hay over my image. Um, and, you know, universally, you know, calling me a nutcase, uh, bonkers, paranoid, um, you know, uh, and addicted to bath salts and on and on and on. I thought, well, you know, if that is in fact the image that I have to carry, well, well let's, let's just put it out there in its extremity. And so, okay, if I'm a nutcase, then I'm going to act like a nut. And if I'm paranoid, I'm going to do a paranoid rant. Um, if I'm going to be doing bath salts, well, let me, you know, plant my entire face in it and so and, and that's all i did just to, to make fun of the image that they had made of me i have to tell you when i saw the video i i couldn't stop laughing because it was vintage you right i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna make false accusations and i'm just gonna i'm gonna take it and i'm gonna exaggerate it and have a whole lot of fun with it and uh Boy, I, I think you really pulled it off well, and everybody got a big kick out of it. And, and of course, the YouTube uh, video went viral. Uh, more than 4 million people have seen it. And we have to take our first commercial break. When we come back, let's find out what John McAfee has in store for his next act. You're listening to The Costa Report. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Are you looking for ideas to create a more balanced meal plan? As one of the world's largest providers of fresh fruits and vegetables, Dole makes it easy to eat the right foods. From a wide variety of salad blends and all-natural salad kits to fresh-cut vegetables and a rainbow of your favorite fresh fruit, Dole delivers good nutrition naturally. But Dole goes beyond just offering healthy fruits and vegetables. Dole has their own nutrition institute that gives you the knowledge and tools you need to make smart choices about your nutrition and health. Visit www.dole.com for more information about the Dole Nutrition Institute. Be sure to sign up for their e-newsletter to receive delicious recipes, tips, and articles to help you make your meals the best they can be. Visit www.dole.com for more. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Now, everyone knows that my favorite is your Pinot Noir, but Caraccioli's known for a lot more than that. 
it's really the bubbles that kind of differentiates what we're doing in the area as opposed to a lot of our peers. And the way that we looked at it was there's great Chardonnay and Pinot Noir fruit in the Santa Lucia Highlands in the greater Monterey County. And we wanted to be able to utilize those grapes and showcase them in a little bit different light. And to do that comes a little bit of a laborious process in terms of making sparkling wine and doing it. A little it. bit? A lot of bit, <laughs> but still definitely worth the trouble and worth the wait. Um, we're currently selling 2006 and 2007 sparkling wines in the beginning of 2013. So it kind of tells you the time invested as well as all of the different techniques that we use and Michelle implements to ensure that we're delivering a quality product. Thank you for being with us again, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. I used to dread getting up and going to work. I was done with the corporate grind. I was tired of being a starving artist. And I started looking around for a business that I believed in, and I kind of wanted to do something a little more green. My score mentor helped me take the first step. He helped me create a business plan and helped me implement it. They really taught me how to think big. Score helped me to make the unimaginable possible all for free. I'm here because of Score. I'm here because of Score. Get your free business mentor at score.org. The 1,200,000 women and men of Rotary have accomplished extraordinary things. They've taught people to read, worked toward world peace, and have nearly eradicated a crippling disease. But each of them know they could accomplish so much more if only they were 1,200,000 and one. Learn more at rotary.org. There's just one place where students are students first, and athletics are played with purpose and perspective. There's just one place where a team is more than a group of individual agendas. It's a catalyst for demonstrating the potential of the collaborative spirit. There's just one place where players, coaches, and fans experience the exhilaration that happens when an entire community rallies behind the school team. That place is your local high school. High school sports offer more than the joy of competition. Studies show that student-athletes are more likely to enjoy greater levels of achievement in other areas of their lives, including academics. In addition, high school sports help young people in California develop the discipline and confidence they need to be leaders in life, even as they unite communities like nothing else. High school sports, a winning part of a complete education. This message presented by the California Interscholastic Federation and the California State Athletic Directors Association. Take a moment to see Rebecca's video pick of the week. Go to YouTube and subscribe to the Rebecca Costa YouTube channel. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest is antivirus pioneer John McAfee. And before the break, we were talking about the difference between the public image that you have and the truth of your situation and how the YouTube video was a, an attempt to make fun at how ridiculous these characterizations with. And as I mentioned, it, you have millions of YouTube viewers and a, a book being written about you. And I understand they're also making a movie about your life. Uh, but I know that you are an inventor at heart and once an inventor, always an inventor. So what are you working on right now? Well, you know, uh, up until recently, I, I thought I would never be able to uh, work on any uh, invention or any technology again. The uh, the image of of myself as a, a madman, lunatic, paranoid, uh, 
whatever, a drug-addled person would, would make uh, the, it a marketing nightmare to try and sell whatever I had developed. However, it is something something odd about about uh, people in general. I think uh, we we don't give people enough credit for being able to see through things. Uh, you know, at some point back in in June, uh, I was watching uh, myself and in interviews in the press, and um, they were finally you know ending up saying, "So that was that interview with McAfee. He certainly is a crazy fellow." And yet, you know, I was looking going, "I don't think I said anything crazy." <laughs> And then all the all the comments were the same. Like I don't think he was crazy. He sounded very sane to me. And then four four weeks ago, the uh, uh, the um, uh, InfoWorld Europe uh, did a survey. Uh, no, I'm sorry, TechWeek Europe did a survey of all of its thousands of users um, and uh, uh, asked who they would like to see replace Steve Ballmer as head of Microsoft. And lo and behold. Thousands of votes later, John McAfee beat out everybody. I was five points ahead of Bill Gates, um, and and that. So, have they called you? Has Microsoft called you yet? No, of course not. I mean, this is the this is the readers of. Well, what do you, What do you mean? Of course not. We, we they just ran a focus group study. They did. Yeah, that's that's what that survey is. It's a look. Let's put it into marketing language. That was a focus group study, and they said we like Microsoft a lot better if you make McAfee the head of it. Right. Well, that's exactly what they said. Unfortunately, I went on on CNBC the following day, and they said, "What would your first move be?" I said, "I'd fire everybody." I mean, the, or most of the people, because it's it's become stagnant. You know, the company is uh, is uh, solidified and ossified. So I, I don't think you know, having stated that, that they will ever call me and ask me. Uh, but but it, what it did. Well, uh, now I know you wouldn't fire everyone because you're no, too no. nice. Right, I would not, I, and and I was being facetious by and large. But I think it, it was a scary thing for for me to say to the Microsoft employees. I wouldn't. But but there are some people who really do need to be reassigned. You know, they you know uh, put into softer jobs that have less impact. So let me say that. Uh, That's right. It, you know, you've always been good at si- sort of creating a what we used to call a skunk works. Inside a large corporation, you were very good at putting together a small, like, Navy SEAL team and getting them working really hard and long hours on a, on a specific project. Right, and that, that's my fourth. I'm, I'm, I'm capable of doing that, and I enjoy doing that. And I think the people that work with me on those projects are very highly motivated and, and love what they do. And the secret is, is learning how to do that within uh, a stagnant bureaucracy, and and I, I do know how to do that. But the thing that shocked me was it just was so sudden. I'm going, whoa! What the, the world really is crazy. You know, a month earlier, the entire press had said this man is over the hill. He's lost it, and now you know the the readers are going, we'd like to see McAfee in charge of Microsoft. Well, well quite frankly, I, I would be bored silly in, in that position in charge of Microsoft. Well, I have to say this uh, to me: the fact that that people voted you to be the head of Microsoft is a good sign because it means people aren't listening to all the junk on the media. They're using right. their brains and thinking for themselves, and that's a good thing. But I can't let you off the hook here. What are you working on next? Because you didn't answer my question, and you know I'm going to come not. back. You are going to come back. And so, so what I'm working on is something I've been thinking about for, for a couple of years now, and that is um, uh, we are losing uh, as a society, at least from my own perspective, of a huge amount of our privacy and our security. 
And and to me, I, I think I think privacy is central to a sane society, or in a society where everything that we think and do is known by everyone and everyone else. Well, that's that's kind of scary. It's scary because we are not perfect humans, and and no matter how benign our our thoughts and actions may be, they will offend someone. This is certain. And and so we are granted privacy so that when we close our doors, we can do the things that, that appeal to us, our hobbies. Uh, we can use the language that we prefer to use. We can we can do things with our, our wives and our friends that, that maybe, you know, we, we just don't want the world to share. Not that we're doing anything wrong or anything we're ashamed of, just like, why should everybody know? Or maybe I'm developing something that I do not want my competitors to know. Privacy gives us the capacity to have our own identity in a safe environment. But never before has it been so under assault. We even have uh, warrantless surveillance going on by the government. Yes, and and that's a scary thing, because the government are the people we have voted in power uh, to, to, to give us a culture in which we can live. They're supposed to protect our privacy. That, well, according to me, they are. They're supposed to protect lots of things they're not protecting. Um, and, and, and that frightens me, because without that, we, we're moving very slowly toward 1984. The, and so the, you're the, working on something that will assure our privacy. Well, it will help ensure it. I, nothing will, will guarantee it unless all of us come to the same conclusion. Uh, we will all have to, to stand up together at some point and say, look, I'm not taking any more of this. You know, I want to be able to close my door and let no one hear or, or watch, not because I'm doing something wrong, but because I like my individuality. And okay, I but it's one, thing, it's one thing that, you know, I can't imagine anybody listening to this interview today not nodding their head up and down and, and just ferociously agreeing with you. It's one thing to acknowledge the problem and to know how widespread and extensive it is and, and also how dangerous it is. But what, what do we have to solve that problem? Well, you know, on my part, I'm creating a technology that can help solve that problem. You know, I've developed a, um, a networking device that will, it has no screen. It's just a little box that uh, you charge up and drop in a pocket. It communicates with your cell phone or your iPad or um, or whatever tablet device you use or, or even your laptop. And it turns those devices into two things. It turns them into what they used to be, which is connecting up to the Internet whenever they want. Mm-hmm. And the other half of it is if you choose, you click one of the buttons on the app interface, and suddenly you're now in a completely private world. And that private world is the world that I have created through a localized, completely floating and, and uh, constantly influx network where no one can see what what you're doing because no one knows who you are. You could be wandering through the college campus, for example, and, and, and passing a file or, or receiving a file from someone. You, you have no clue who you got the file from. The person you got the file from has no clue even if someone had asked for that file. You have just merely placed a bunch of data in a public area available for anyone. Whoever gets it, there's no record and there is no ID. Wow. Uh, and- so this is, this is something that is brand new. I'm going to say it gives anonymity over the Internet. And not only that, it's something that that desperately uh, every one of us who's using the internet, which is everybody, is going to need. We have to take another break, but we're going to come right back and find out more about this privacy technology because I think everybody needs to hear about this, and uh, we want to know some more. You're listening to the Costa Report. 
Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. This data is big data. Big data is all data and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile, and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM big data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com slash big data today. It's pouring rain. It's real dark outside. Your heart starts beating really, really fast. You've never done anything so hard in your life. This is boot camp. This is the real thing now. It's such extreme pain, you don't understand how you can finish. I began to feel that there was no way I was ever going to have my title, U.S. Marine. It takes special inner strength, courage, and desire to do this. I was just thinking, I'm so close. I'm so close. And when I, I finished, I was like, I'm done. I did it. The moment I will never forget is when this drill instructor that I admire so much comes up to me straight in front of me put her arm on my shoulder and said, good morning, Marine. PFC Summer Volkman became a Marine. Can you? Visit Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES. The few, the proud, the Marines. Victor Ray, this is Scorpion 23 traveling west on MSR Vernon. Four Victors, 16 packs. Request MSR status over. Roger. Scorpion 23, all MSRs and AOR red past 24 hours. Three IEDs on MSR Vernon. <laughs> In war, there will always be casualties. And for our wounded warriors, coming home can sometimes be a battle in itself. American troops who suffer traumatic injuries need the support of every American. Join us and send your message of support to our wounded warriors and their families at uso.org. The USO, until everyone comes home. He worked out early, practiced late, and studied well into the night. The next day, he did it all over again. She missed time hanging out and socializing with friends so she could make it on time to practices and games. He became a top student and a confident leader, even as he helped his team win back-to-back conference titles. She became a role model in her community, even as she led her team to an undefeated season. And when they finished playing high school sports, what did they do next? She graduated from college with honors and went to work for a successful company. He attended graduate school and became a difference maker in his community. Because that's what student athletes in California do. They use the skills they develop playing high school sports today to do even bigger things in life tomorrow. High school sports. A winning part of a complete education. This message presented by the California Interscholastic Federation and the California State Athletic Directors Association. 
Grab your smartphone and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash Rebecca Costa. Welcome back to the Costa Report. This is Rebecca Costa, and uh, my guest today is technology entrepreneur and a former colleague of mine, Mr. John McAfee. And before the break, you were describing your new venture designed to ensure our privacy on the Internet. So why hasn't anyone else developed this technology? I mean, when you think about it, it's it's a sure success, isn't it? Well, I think it's because, uh, Rebecca, we've been uh, uh, used to the Internet so long that we think in terms of what we know, that is, a vast, fast backbone that connects everyone in the world, which is marvelous, and we need that. Uh, but there are certain applications. For example, one of our applications is a, is uh, the equivalent of Craigslist, although it's a localized version. For example, imagine this. Here's how our application works. Uh, let's say you decide you want you want a Mustang convertible. Mm-hmm. And so you pull up our, our app, app and say, I want a Mustang convertible. And it says, uh, how far away? And it says, well, I'm only willing to walk two blocks. And it goes, okay, thank you. And then it goes back to sleep. Now, as you move around the city through the day, you go to work, you go to, to, to lunch or whatever, uh, chances are, uh, and, and by the way, on the other side, you have, someone says, I have a Mustang convertible, here's the photograph, just like on Craigslist, and then they sit back. Let's say I, I, I say, I'm only going to walk two city blocks, and I go to lunch, and suddenly I get an alert, an alarm. I look at my, my, my iPhone, and it says, okay, uh, two blocks from here is a Mustang convertible, here's the photograph, do you want to get a look at it? And you say yes or no. If you say yes, it says make a right here and and walk uh, 30 seconds down the street. So it localizes the things that need to be localized. For example, if I'm on Craigslist, I want a Mustang, I have to first of all put my state, my city, and then spend all day calling people or emailing people. There's no contact between a person here until I get the alert and I say, yes, I want to see this. At that point, the other person is contacted saying, someone wants to come look at the car in, in two minutes. Are you around? Can they see it? Mm-hmm. And if so, you just walk over, you look at it, and you say yes or no. The same thing with everything you might use on Craigslist. It makes it makes the task of finding something mindless. You just type in what you want, and you wait until the system finds it for you. You go look at it. You don't like it. You say no, and then it waits till you come close to another item. Now, more importantly, this entire transaction you described around the Mustang is private. No one else knows I'm doing this. They don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing. Absolutely not. Not until you agree that you want to buy the thing, and then the person has to identify themselves, and you identify them to them. But nobody else. It's just you. Nobody else's business. Right. Well, I think a lot of us feel that way, John. It's none of anybody else's business. And I don't want – look, I'm not doing anything wrong. But that just the idea that someone's looking in on me creeps me out, and that's just enough for me. Well, it should creep you out because here's the question. Why does someone want to look in on you? Is it because they don't have a life themselves? Because they're trying to catch you doing something? Because they don't like you? And, and, can and can I tell you something? It's the same that? reason I have drapes. Of course. I'm not walking around my house naked. Of course not. But I, but I don't want people looking in my windows. I, to me, what can't we have the drapes equivalent on the Internet? That's right. Well, unfortunately, even having drapes in your house now, Rebecca, is not going to prevent the NSA or any other government agency from watching you walk around your house naked if they want to. You know, they have, they have back doors into all of your software. They can turn on the, 
the camera on your laptop if it's open and, and watch you walk around the house. Uh, it's a frightening world. So, Well, I, I, I will tell you what's more frightening is that anybody would want to look at a 60-year-old woman walking around her house naked. That's frightening. Well, let's get to the heart of the matter here. I feel sorry for them. And actually, I should open my drapes, you know, if, if, so they should see where they're all headed. <laughs> oh, amazing. I, I know. So l- listen, there there are all kinds of rumors floating about where you're going to start this new venture. Now, I, I, I made a bet. I, you know, I'm, I'm completely up front on this radio program. And uh, there were some rumors that you were looking at Vietnam and other rumors. I, I, you know, I can't believe anything I, I hear. Uh, but I got a bet. That you're going to do this in Silicon Valley. And here's my reason why. Because you still have a lot of fans and a lot of contacts there. And second of all, there is a wealth of scientists and engineers and venture money. And pretty much all the ingredients needed for a quick liftoff. Okay, well, you know, you're extremely close. We're actually going to do it in Silicon Beach, right across from Silicon Valley in Santa Cruz. No kidding. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because those, those... those talents and assets that live in Silicon Valley don't mind commuting over the hill because it's the reverse commute, um, and and it's a nice environment to work in. I think it's it's less hectic, there's less traffic, um, the air is cleaner, and I like the ocean. So, uh, in fact, we're we're planning on doing something at least to start with a little bit unique. I'm I'm trying to find a uh, a couple of very old mansions close together with yards. Uh, that we can convert into, you know, office-slash-temporary living space. Uh, because especially with startups, you if, if you're not working 18 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, you're not going to be very competitive. I got I got two words for you. What's that? Scotts Valley. Scotts Valley, beautiful place. No beautiful question. place, and there are campuses there with a lot of privacy, and uh, and it's there, right there, there off of Highway 17. I, it, I think that's is. a that's a great place to go, uh, you know. And and believe me, you'll have people flooding over from Silicon Valley to get out of that commute, and also for the opportunity to raise their families on the ocean. Who doesn't want to do that? I, I agree fully. In fact, I, when I had Tribal Voice, I had a satellite campus in Scotts Valley, and everybody wanted to go there. So, Of course. Well, this is the good news. You're not planning to start this business in another country. No, of course not. Uh, number one, I, I wouldn't know how to do that. The, uh, um, and, and number two, I couldn't possibly be competitive. Well, wait a minute. You, 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 you had to learn a lesson about f- other countries. Right? Uh, I, you, you learned that lesson. You're not going to do that again. You're not going to leave the United States. Say you won't. Well, of course I won't. I, I, and I have <laughs> learned my lesson. You know, I, I thought I was being smart by, by building an antibiotic company in the jungles of police, but, but all they do is wait around to, to see if you're going to be successful and steal it from you. Or if they get bored, they, they steal what you have beforehand. They go, well, why should we wait for the company to be successful? He's got tons of money. Let's just take it now. Um, so no, you, you can't you can't be successful at high tech companies uh, in in any, any other country other than your own, and for me that's America. Well, we know what happened to you in Belize, and we know that you were being blackmailed before any of this uh, stuff with the law came down. That's a pro that's a different program, and I'm not going to go there. But I do want to uh, go to where you were developing a natural antibiotic based on anti-quorum sensing. Uh, what happened to that company because you were doing that? out of Belize, right? I was doing out of Belize. Uh, here's the problem. I, I've, I chose to uh, build the lab in the jungle on the banks of a river where I could access those plants that I needed for analysis. Right. It makes, makes perfect sense. The problem is trying to get talent to live in that environment with no TV, no internet, no air conditioning. Um, 
You, you know, couldn't find any hermits that wanted to join you? Well, you know, it was very, very hard. And, and unfortunately, the, the type of talent that I needed were, were very, very high up the scale. Uh, a lot of Chinese people, for example, you know, try to get someone from China to come to, to a lab on a jungle river where there are mosquitoes and crocodiles and, and, uh, and howler monkeys. Uh, well, that's a difficult thing to do. Now, you should have put out an ad for biologists. They all like living in tents with mosquitoes and monkeys. Yeah, th- that's true. Unfortunately, the, the biologists that I needed, they were, they were very few and very far between. And most of them were researchers in academic institutions where they had tremendous benefits including very, very uh, short working hours uh, and, and a comfortable environment. Yeah, well, um, that's not going to happen in a startup, as we know. No, uh, so what, what happened to the company? What's the status of the company now? Well, you know, I, I, I simply I, I, I tr- I've unwound the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I tried after the raid to keep it going, but it was just impossible. And I just totally unwound it. It was a tragedy because someone will do what I did and probably be one of the, unfortunately, one of the massive drug companies from Germany or someplace and make a huge success. But they will do it because they have the military backing of their own government to make sure that what happened to me does not happen to them. That's right. And anti-quorum uh, antibiotics are really going to uh, be important to us as people start to encounter the resistances that they've developed. Absolutely. The nice thing with quorum sensing is, is you do not get that resistance strain. That's right. Uh, because you're not actually killing the bacteria, you're just making them all deaf. So the ones that are immune, do, you know, they have no competitive advantage. That's right. And uh, and so it really is the answer to uh, the problems that we've created with all these antibiotics and the fact that we're giving them to kids at such a young age. We have to take our last break. Uh, we'll be right back with John McAfee after these brief messages. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. Fifty years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. But something you may not know is that Dr. King was represented by the world's foremost speaking agency, the American Program Bureau. The American Program Bureau has a courageous history of representing luminaries, entertainers, and motivators from all backgrounds. From Ronald Reagan, Richard Branson, and Mikhail Gorbachev to John Stewart, Michael Douglas, and Desmond Tutu. From A-list celebrities to best-selling authors, cutting-edge business leaders, and the greatest minds in academia... 
The American Program Bureau has speakers to fit every venue and every budget. When corporations, conferences, schools, and community organizations need an expert speaker, they turn to the American Program Bureau to help them craft an event that will be remembered long afterwards. To inquire about a speaker for your next engagement, contact the American Program Bureau at 800-225-4575 or visit our website at apbspeakers.com. The American Program Bureau, making history one speech at a time. A few years ago, I noticed I was feeling increasingly tired. My fatigue was so intense that I got to the point sometimes when I got home from work, I couldn't even remember the drive. The excessive tiredness and forgetfulness, not to mention my snoring that constantly woke up my husband, prompted me to get a sleep test. The results showed that I have sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is a common disorder. In fact, 50 to 60% of those who snore have it. Many couples accept snoring as an inevitable part of nightly life, but sleep apnea is associated with serious health problems, such as the risk of high blood pressure, heart attack, stroke, and even heart failure. Treatments for sleep apnea range from simple lifestyle changes to breathing machines to surgery. Treating my sleep apnea has changed my life. Armed with information, you too could be on your way to a restful night's sleep and a healthier life. Learn more at wakeuptosleep.org or call 877-389-8868. There's just one place where students are students first and athletics are played with purpose and perspective. There's just one place where a team is more than a group of individual agendas. It's a catalyst for demonstrating the potential of the collaborative spirit. There's just one place where players, coaches, and fans experience the exhilaration that happens when an entire community rallies behind the school team. That place is your local high school. High school sports offer more than the joy of competition. Studies show that student-athletes are more likely to enjoy greater levels of achievement in other areas of their lives, including academics. In addition, high school sports help young people in California develop the discipline and confidence they need to be leaders in life, even as they unite communities like nothing else. High school sports, a winning part of a complete education. This message presented by the California Interscholastic Federation and the California State Athletic Directors Association. If you missed any of today's interview, catch the entire episode on www.rebeccacosta.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is John McAfee. And you were talking about the next big thing in ensuring that our communications are private and the fact that you're looking at Santa Cruz, California as a possible site for your headquarters. So, uh, let me let me ask you something. I, I recently had an opportunity to speak with uh, Carly Fiorina, the former CEO of Hewlett Packard, and and she was worried that you know we have fewer new businesses starting up and more small businesses failing than at any other time during the past forty years. So you know I imagine that uh, that's got to be something on your mind right now. Even, even with all the support and everything, this is a different time when you and I were working for startups. You know, that was the thing. Everybody was being funded and everybody was going all out. But we've got a lot of failures right now. And and she was talking about the fact that we've made it so hard for new businesses to get lift off. So is there anything that you think we can do to encourage innovation again and get folks like you back into the fray? Well, I mean, there, there are lots of ways to make it easier for small businesses to survive. I mean, there are tax incentives, there are uh, any, any number of things. 
But I think I think the biggest problem is that the large companies. Uh, let, let's look at Google. Google is getting into so many new areas that uh, it, it's hard to find an area that they do not have an interest in. So uh, I, I think for a company to be successful now, you have to start looking at the strategy that uh, uh, the companies had when when uh, companies like IBM and Univac were, were the powerhouses. You have to be small and quick. Um, and, and if you realize that and work hard and... Uh, uh, move rapidly. It doesn't matter who your competitors are; you will outcompete them. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. The 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 environment for uh, financing for for any number of things. And, well, the and regulations, it, the laws, the, the fees, the, the licenses. Law. I mean, it goes that's, on and on. Of course, and and that's just a result of a of a uh, uh, advancing society that that's reaching uh, the level of decay again. I mean, if you you look at it in all. Of uh, societies in the history, they they reach a certain level where we have to be so safe and so secure and make the environment so perfect that starting a new one just can't just can't happen. But but I think I, I you know I I have I have hope for people. I have certainly have hope for my own product and my own company, and, and I think that we will succeed and and we'll manage to uh, to dance around all the things that we have to dance around. And if worst comes to worst, Rebecca, then you know. The companies will start relocating outside of them, not just outside of Silicon Valley, but outside of America. Well, they've they already started doing that. I, I know, and that's and that is a tragedy. And they don't do that simply because they're anti-American. Uh, they do it because uh, it's a necessity in some cases. There's no other way to be competitive. Uh, I, I think that you know, with my I am 68 years old after all, and I have a little bit of experience. Uh, I think I can make this work. I think you can too, and not only that. Uh, you are young at heart and always have been. Here's the thing I, I worry about sometimes about the smaller companies. They're almost turning into incubation companies or feeders to the giants like Google and Johnson & Johnson and Facebook. You know, they get up to a certain point, and these guys are so cash-rich, they come in, and we're, it's, it's almost like losing the middle class of business. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's the very wealthy that come in and buy the smaller companies, and then you don't get the opportunity to see these companies grow. Well, here's the other issue. You, you, it takes two to tango. Uh, it doesn't matter how, how cash-rich you are. Uh, uh, you can't be scooped up if you don't want to be scooped up. This is a fact. I mean, when I started McAfee, the first thing that, that happened was Gordon Eubanks, who was at, the, at that time the, uh, the COO of, uh, of Norton, uh, came over and said, hey, I'm going to offer you an outrageously large sum of money for your company, far more than it was worth. And I, I just said thank you, Gordon, and showed him the door uh, because I wanted to do my own thing. For a while, um, and then you did. You did uh, sell. Well, yeah, but I didn't really sell. I, I did my own thing and, and took it public. That doesn't that doesn't turn control over to a Google or a Norton or anything else. No, but it's it's, it's turning still, the control over to smaller shareholders, lots of smaller <laughs> shareholders, right? Oh, that that is entirely true. That is entirely true. Right, but, uh, but, but the fact is, eventually, you got your senses about you, and you said, "I, I want to live my life." Yes, I, I want to go somewhere where I can look at the beach, pet my dogs, uh, you know, do what I want to do and think the thoughts I want to think. Absolutely, which I think is every person's right and every person's need. You know, we, we have to be our own person. We have to be individual, um, and which gets right back to the fact that without privacy, we cannot be individualistic. You know, that's so true. And I don't think anyone's really thinking about the connection between your 
uh, self-esteem, your self-efficacy, and in, and the invasion of privacy. I've never heard anyone talk about it. Have you? If you think, if, well, I, I've talked about it. I, certainly, it seems obvious if you think about it for a moment, because it, the privacy gives us the protection against the the weaknesses of the human psyche, the protection against greed and and jealousies and and all of the things. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not advocating anything in terms of, of uh, uh, relationship between husbands and wives or lovers or what have you, but can you imagine what the world would be if every indiscretion of every human being were public? Well, we would have madness and chaos. Well, we would have that. madness, and not only that, what about the people who feel so judged already? I mean, look how long it's taken us to accept gay marriage or gay couples. Of course. And, of and the course. fact that these people have been living under fear for so many years. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is, this is an example, right, of, of what happens when you allow people to make the choice. You know, at the end of the day, people have to make a choice. Now, you're not going to believe this, John. This is the fastest hour I've ever had on radio. And we well, are and mine too. We are out of time. Uh, but I, I don't want to let you go without asking you to give your website address and any social media information so people can stay in touch. Well, I think, I think the, uh, the, the primary address would be whoismcafee.com. Uh, that, is my, that is my blog, and certainly everything that happens in my life ends up on that blog. Uh, and then you could be linked to other things from there. So, again, it's whoismcafee.com. That's great. And always great to speak to you. And, you know, I only live a little south of Santa Cruz, California. So when you're up here, I happen to know a couple of great sites for you that you might want to think about in that new company. So you give me a call, and I'll come down the airport and pick you up. I guarantee I will do that, I promise. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for taking the time to join us. If your station is leaving us after this hour uh, and you'd like to comment on today's program, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or send me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're all over the Internet. So uh, drop me a line and let me know what you thought about our conversation with John McAfee today. And if you missed the full interview with McAfee or any of our other guests, you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and also our new YouTube channel. And please, while you're there, take a moment to link it to your friends, because that's how the truth goes viral. It happens one link at a time. I also want to thank listeners who continue to push the Watchman's Rattle to the top of Amazon book sales. And for those of you who have ordered an autographed copy from our website at RebeccaCosta.com. And here's an early reminder, if you're looking for something that isn't going to cost you an arm and a leg this year and is customized for someone that you love, a book dedicated specially to them is one of the most thoughtful gifts that you can give. And think of how good you'll feel knowing that that all those book proceeds are going toward keeping programs like the Costa Report on the air and available for over 3 million listeners. Thanks to you, they can enjoy this program each and every week. So do your part. Right now, go to RebeccaCosta.com and get your book right now. Well, I have a final note here, and you'll be thrilled about this. Our producers have done it again. I don't know how they do it, but my guest next week is none other than former Senate Majority Leader Tom Daschle, and he has got a lot to say about the government shutdown, our growing deficit, and what exactly is wrong with health care in America I want you to make sure that you make a note on your calendar and you tune in 
because you don't want to miss what Tom Daschle has to say. And and I know that some of you are sitting there and you're saying to yourselves, eh, you know, Daschle's going to be partisan. He's going to take up the side of one or the other. And, and, uh, and, and you know, this is a program I don't need to listen to because I already know his position. Well, no, you don't. You do not know his position. And I will tell you why. Because this is one of the last programs where you have one full hour to listen to what someone has to say. So you tune into the Costa Report, the one and only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. And now stay tuned for the second hour of the Costa Report, when we're going to hear what you have to say about our conversation with John McAfee. And just before I close this hour, I just want to say, John, if you're still listening, thanks so much for tuning in and for taking the time to speak to our audience today. We really appreciate it. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 